Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. My name is Phil Crimmins. This is podcast 142. So we've come out with a lot of these at this point, almost three years worth. Now, the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, if you're unfamiliar, is a Q&A podcast. We cover the comments, questions, and just general queries that might have come in on the Mandarin Blueprint Method video course. Now, the primary source of questions comes from the lessons themselves. So we have a lesson about how to learn a Chinese character or how to learn a Chinese word or learn that word in the context of sentence, which sentences, which kind of intuitively teaches grammar. And we also have grammar lessons as well. And people will ask a question in those actual lessons and we'll respond to them on the podcast or in writing form during the week. Now, we also get some questions coming in through email or through the community forum, but that is the purpose of this podcast to answer those questions for the people on the course. And if you're curious, <coughs> excuse me, about the Mandarin Blueprint method, you can do a free trial for 30 days uh, with no credit card required um, because we're not interested in trying to like sneakily charge you because we're certain that after you try out uh, the Mandarin Blueprint method, you'll realize that this method for learning Chinese is highly innovative. It gets you to the point of learning uh, Chinese characters much faster, which in turn makes the whole process of learning Chinese way quicker. I was just reading today a Quora post by a Chinese teacher suggesting that it was going to take eight to 10 years to learn Mandarin uh, like a native speaker. Now, it depends on what you mean by like a native speaker, but one of her premises was that you can only learn about 400 characters per year, which I actually laughed because with the Mandarin Blueprint Method, we've had people already in well under a year learn 1,530 characters, and they could have done more if we had finished our advanced course already, uh, which is going to take you out to 3,000 characters. She was right about one thing, which is that you need to know about 3,000 characters in order to learn Chinese. But in her perspective, you know, 400 characters a year, uh, that's going to take you many years just to get to 3,000. And really getting to 3,000 characters is just your foundation for uh, being able to read lots of content. What's really going to make you fluent and literate is reading lots of content. But if you can minimize the amount of time that it takes to learn characters and get those 3,000 characters in more like one to two years or one to one and a half years, that really changes the whole game of learning Mandarin and how long it's going to take because that will allow you to pick up almost any piece of Chinese material and learn at a much faster rate. So if you imagine you're reading an article in Chinese, yeah, you might not have seen the characters combined in certain ways the way they are uh, and that will certainly come up all the time. However, the fact that you can read the characters means that you have several things aiding you in your understanding. You have the context of the entire article. What's the entire article trying to say? And because you can kind of follow it in general, you have a general sense of what the article is trying to say. Then you have two characters that maybe you've never seen go together, but you know how they're pronounced and you know their primary meanings. And maybe you even know their secondary and tertiary meanings, in which case, even if you've never seen the word before, you've got a pretty good chance of understanding it because you also have the context of the sentence and the paragraph and the entire article. So learning Chinese characters, getting to about 3,000 Chinese characters in under two years is an achievable goal, and it will make it so that you can actually become fluent and literate in far less time than was ever possible before. And that's what the Mandarin Blueprint Method is doing through our various techniques for learning character components, characters, vocabulary words, uh, grammar, and it's very systemized. We're actually patent pending right now, and we've just passed the second stage of our uh, patent pending process. So, uh, so far, the patent offices in the U.S. have recognized, yes, this is truly an innovation. It's truly something that is not available anywhere else. And so uh, it can go to the next phase of the patent pending process, which is great news. And it's also something that uh, is a testament to the fact that you really can't find this anywhere else. So we hope that you'll uh, uh, indulge us in that little intro there. And before we get into the Q&As that are coming up Today, I wanted to give an update, as we will be doing uh, every week for uh, the foreseeable future, on our advanced course, GoFundMe. So if you're unfamiliar, we've been running a GoFundMe campaign that has a goal of raising $50,000 by the end of November 
2021. So right now, as of recording, it's May of 2021, and we're doing pretty well. Between GoFundMe and PayPal, we've raised just around $10,000. On GoFundMe itself, $6,685, but several people also gave us donations on PayPal, and so we are right around $10,000, which for the first two weeks, because we've been running this for two weeks, that's great. Uh, this week was a little slower than the first week, but that's somewhat to be expected. Uh, of course, the first week, you know, many people would donate right away. And, uh, you know, what we're looking for is something here where maybe people consider making monthly donations for a while, or, you know, maybe they just have heard of it for the first time and make a, don- a one-time donation. Everything is fine. And of course, as our as we always want to point out here, uh, only we only want to accept donations from people where it's not hurting them financially to do so. So, um, you know, if you're able to spare five bucks and it doesn't hurt you financially to do so, or if you're able to spare 500 bucks and it doesn't hurt you financially to do so, then uh, we would appreciate it. It will help get our advanced course out sooner rather than later. Um, But uh, also as a couple of incentives, and I want to always make sure I clarify these, these incentives. If you donate $500 or more to the GoFundMe, then as we finish certain levels of the upper intermediate and advanced course, we will release them to those people. Uh, So, you know, if you're a lifetime member, and that is to say somebody who took advantage of our sale in 2020 that we've long since not uh, had up on our website, but in August of 2020, we had a big sale offering lifetime access to the Mandarin Blueprint courses, which means that you'll get access to uh, all future courses Uh, for the money that you paid back in August of 2020. Um, However, for those of you who just did that donation, or sorry, not that donation, that purchase in August, um, you'll get the advanced course when it's completed, when we finish the whole thing. However, if you were to make an additional donation of $500 or more, then you will get early access to the advanced course. Now, many of you have not were not a part of that lifetime access sale, you didn't take advantage of it, or you just hadn't found Mandarin Blueprint yet by August 2020. Some of you have bought the full bundle, some of you are monthly subscribers. Uh, for those of you there, you, you will have to buy the advanced course when it comes out later in the future, or you can make a $500 or more donation to our GoFundMe, in which case you will get the advanced course uh, as soon as it's ready, including the uh, earlier levels. So for example, level 58 is the first level of the upper intermediate course, as we're going to call it. And uh, as soon as we've solidified the character order and determined that level 58 is ready to go, we will release it to those of you who on the GoFundMe uh, provided a um, $500 donation or higher. And that can, and by the way, you can get to that point over time. So like if you uh, can't donate $500 this month, but you can donate $500 total uh, by November, the end of November, 2021. So maybe, you know, $100 a month for five months, uh, then you, you will also uh, receive that early access when you've reached that $500 threshold. So with that in mind, let me give you some updates on how the upper intermediate and the advanced course are actually going because I've been working on it and uh, we're, we're making some great progress right, right off the bat. So first of all, why am I saying upper intermediate at all? Because uh, of course, we always framed this as being about the advanced course. We have an intermediate course. And really what it comes down to is that I started doing the analysis of the characters and the vocabulary based on two primary sources. One is the new HSK lists. So as we've talked about a few times on the podcast already, the Han Yu Shui Ping Kao Shi, the Han Ban, which is the organization that uh, creates the Chinese as a second level, as a second language level test has updated their test, or at least they're going to by July of this year. And They've gone from six levels to nine levels, and they've added a lot of vocabulary, and they've rearranged how it works. So, for example, uh, the HSK-1 used to cover 150 words. Now it covers 500 words. And the HSK-3, the new HSK-3, is very close to what the old HSK-4 was. So, like, you know, we kind of have to reassess what it means to pass these different tests. And as I was doing the analysis, 
I was very aware that, you know, these are the words that cover the HSKs, say, 4, 5, and 6. And then these are the words that cover the HSKs 7, 8, and 9. And I could tell very clearly that the 7, 8, and 9 vocabulary is highly advanced. So that's the type of stuff where, you know, A, you may not even end up actually using a lot of that vocabulary in real life. I mean, passive vocabulary is good and you can understand more articles the more vocabulary that you have. But the likelihood that you'll actually use it in day-to-day -day life is, gets lower and lower. And so I realized we should really be breaking it down into an upper-intermediate course, which essentially covers the... Uh, vocab from the HSKs 4 through 6, the new HSKs 4 through 6, and then the advanced course gets into the new HSKs 7, 8, and 9. And this is important because you don't want to waste time on vocabulary that's too advanced for your level. So if you're at the point where you're just starting to get ready for the HSK 4, you really shouldn't be seeing HSK 9 vocabulary at that point, even if you know both of the characters, because the Usage is going to be very abstract. It's going to be something that is like, you know, uh, maybe it's like an economic term or it's a term for, um, you know, how to handle a formal situation uh, at a, a big event, that type of thing. And so it's better to come across that vocabulary when you know more of the language. If you're trying to do it when you're only at the HSK 4 level, then it's going to feel very abstract, weird, and tough to wrap your head around. Whereas if you focus on more the mid-level areas, uh, you know, the HSKs four through six first, get those down and then move on to the advanced stuff, you're going to be much better prepared to master it. So we've set it up so that the upper intermediate course will cover those four through six, but we don't just do the HSK. Like that would be, um, you know, the HSK is a great test in a lot of ways. I mean, like I, as a course creator, I have to recognize that so much work has gone into the HSKs, and I don't want to denigrate them at all. But I will say that there are times when they emphasize words that, I, you know, it's hard for me to understand why they would put so much emphasis on them. Or they de-emphasize words that I think are very common in, in a lot of spoken Chinese. So there's a fair bit of spoken Chinese that doesn't get too well addressed in the HSKs. So we have an another source of finding vocabulary, which is a huge lexicon that comes from all sorts of sources, primarily Weibo, um, which is like the Chinese Twitter. Uh, you've got loads of subtitles um, from TV shows, which are some of the best ways to get not only internet slang, but like mostly spoken Chinese. Comic books are a part of this. And then also newspapers, period periodicals, and formal Chinese. So it's a huge lexicon of over a billion characters. And then from there, it generates frequencies of both the characters and the words. So you can see this word occurred, say, 1,500,000 times in this billion uh, character lexicon. That's a lot. So like, you better see that word a fair bit and actually by the time you reach the upper intermediate course there aren't really any words that are uh that occurred over a million times but you know we kind of look at that we see what is the occurrence of a word and of course you know we don't cover literally every possible word that you could come up with because if a, if a word only has a 10,000 occurrences, say, in a billion, that's not much. <laughs> You're not going to use that word very much. And it also might be a very specialized word. So we're not going to teach you literally every one. But we find that nice balance between the HSK vocabulary, which, you know, people want to pass the HSK, so we'll make sure we cover all of that, and also that good spoken Chinese that's not, you know, so you're not just sounding too formal all the time. So with that in mind, as we've been building up the uh, level 58, 59, 60, and 61, which is kind of, you know, they're not finished, but I have the outline set up for those four levels. Uh, we've been making some, you know, interesting discoveries. We realized, okay, we're going to make sure make this into the upper intermediate course and the advanced course. And we're also going to put things together in hundred character blocks. So what I mean by that is that, you know, we could just say, here's all the remaining characters. Let's organize them by common component and then just introduce them as they come. And this is uh, an okay technique, but here's why I don't like it. Because if you were to take the remaining, say, 2,000 characters that we're going to add to the course and just organize them by common component, then you'd have characters that are frequency number like 3,000 or 3,200 coming up very early in the upper intermediate or the advanced course. And 
that is unnecessary by the time you reach the, un the upper intermediate course because by that point you understand how the method works and you get how components and props work. So if you don't have say 20 characters that have a common prop all in a row, it's okay, you can just have a few. Like two or three characters that share a common prop, you kind of work with that prop for a few scenes and then you move on. And so what we've done is taken the next 100 most frequent characters, figured out what are the what's the vocabulary that gets unlocked from the HSKs four, five, and six. Um, then what's the un vocabulary that gets unlocked from the HSKs seven, eight, and nine, and you know prepare those for the advanced course. And then uh, we build the course starting from that structure. Now there are fifteen characters remaining from the HSKs two and three. The foundation course and the intermediate course cover everything in the HSK one uh, and the vast majority of what is in the HSKs two and three, but like I said, they made them, they made new HSK tests. So they have new word lists and there were 15 characters that were included in the new HSKs two and three that we didn't have covered in the foundation of the intermediate course. So in level 58, the first um, level, you'll have several uh, characters that are associated with the HSKs two and three. As a result, levels 58 and 59 have a fair bit of vocabulary, but slightly fewer characters. So there are about 35 characters each, but there's a lot of unlocked vocabulary. But what was very interesting is that once I got to level 60, level 60 and 61, now we're in totally into the four, five, and six territory. There were a lot fewer unlocked words for each character. And this makes sense because, of course, the farther, the deeper you get into uh, character learning, the less frequent the characters are, and therefore the fewer words they will uh, unlock. And this is, this makes it so that when you learn a new character, you'll be able to move on relatively quickly. So the experience of it will be something like levels 58 and 59 are vocabulary heavy, but they're going to be a lot of great stuff that you'll use uh, pretty quickly. And then, from then on, it'll be more about the characters and a little bit less about the vocabulary. And therefore, we can fit in some more advanced words that are made up of characters from the foundation in an intermediate course, uh, which will get you into the, uh, that four, five, and six territory. So this is all very exciting stuff. Also, there was one thing I wanted to uh, talk about which was something that Christine brought up. So Christine, we did two interviews with her. She's a, uh, a Mandarin Blueprint Pro user, I would say. And she sent us an email when we set up the GoFundMe saying like, hey, you know, maybe you guys are trying to do too much uh, by, you know, trying to include the vocabulary and all of that. Maybe you should just release a character order without the vocabulary first um, because then you can get it out quicker. But, and it was, it was interesting because when I read that, I thought that something doesn't sound right about that, but I don't, I couldn't really articulate it. And then I started doing the character order and I remembered that when you're building this order, you have to take into account the words that get unlocked. So for example, there's a, a character, Xu, which is um, one of those characters that happens to be in the, H the, the new HSKs two and three. So we introduce it very early in the, uh, in the level 58. And so it has to do with permission or allowing things. Um, and it has the props of a megaphone and the, um, you know, sort of noon prop for uh, like, you know, uh, that, that particular prop. And it means to allow, permit, whatever. Now, when I looked at the words that are high frequency that use this character, there was one word, that is uh, within the HSKs four, five, and six, it is uh, high, recent, reasonably high frequency, but the other character yun is only used in this word. It's the only word that unlocks of any frequency with this character. So the character is low frequency, but the word is high frequency. So that's the type of thing where if you just based it on character frequency, you would not catch that. And so you need to consider the words because the only place it makes sense to introduce yun from yun shu is right before or after shu because it's the only character that it even gets placed with in the entire order. So I noticed this happens about once or twice per level. And it's the kind of thing that if I didn't do properly from the beginning, I would kick myself about it later because once we set the order in place, it's really 
difficult to change it because there's so many things you have to redo and you have to reanalyze all of these different sentences and all of this different content because you like for example suppose i said that yunshu was um a word that is in level 58 and then a bunch of people who are writers for us wrote content that thought okay yunshu is a a known word as of level 58, and then I move it to level 64, all of a sudden you have this top-down word from levels 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63. Anytime yunshu came up, it becomes a top-down word, and that's just, it's just a big pain to try to figure that out. So we have to take into account the vocabulary in order to know whether or not the order makes sense from below, from the perspective of the components, from the character frequency itself. So how, what is the pure frequency of the actual characters? Xu, super high frequency character. Yun, low frequency character, but because of that third step vocabulary gets introduced right there with Xu. So I just wanted to point that out that um, while it certainly, certainly slows us down that we have to take into account vocabulary, if we didn't, we'd be um, doing wrong by you. We'd be a duibuqi niman, right? So, um, that's an important element to what makes the upper, intermediate, and the advanced course tick. All right. So with that in mind, um, and I just as a final statement about this, I would just say that it's been very gratifying to finally get really working on this advanced course. And so thank you so much to those of you who have donated. If you would like to donate and uh, ensure that we can focus our energies on this advanced course, then uh, you can do so at the links. I've left them in the show notes already. They're the uh, GoFundMe page. And if uh, you don't want to donate via GoFundMe, we also have a PayPal link to donate there. And uh, so a thank you to the people who donated this week. Uh, we have um, David Garcia donating $30, uh, Sandra Rashuti donating $25. She says, keep going, we will. Uh, Darren Grisdale donated $500. Thank you so much, Darren. Uh, Hunter McCoy donated $50. He says, thank you for all the work you put in all the and all the courses you've created, our pleasure. We also received two anonymous donations of $200 and $50 respectively. So thanks to those two anonymous donors. And uh, we also received a PayPal donation from Cindy Menches uh, for $100. And she says, uh, Phil and Luke, I hope your campaign goes well. I will donate more than once. This donation is a start. Thanks. So our big thanks to all of those of you who donated. And like I say, if anybody else would like to donate, the links are in the description uh, of this podcast. Let's move on to the comments and emails from customers this week. We have uh, a community forum post by somebody going by the name of Canadian Defector. <laughs> she says, hello, new purchaser here, my story. When we lived in California, I made several good Chinese friends, but it never occurred to me to start learning. We live in Kansas City area now. I've long been a fan of Kung Fu movies, and about a year ago, enjoyed watching the entire Eternal Love 10 Miles of Peach Blossoms series on Netflix. By the end, I could recognize a lot of words and the thought, you could do this, you could learn Chinese, wouldn't go away. After fully exhausting Duolingo, I didn't know what else to do to keep learning. And I've been struggling with actually remembering what I've learned. I'm fortunate to have friends I can chat with in Mandarin on a weekly basis, but it's embarrassing because I rely too much on my notes, and my tones have needed some serious help. Time to find a better way to learn. I found Mandarin Blueprint through the pins I've been saving to my Pinterest board. I just blew through all of the free content, started using Anki, and I decided to take the plunge before the sale ends. I'm hopeful this will be just the thing I need to master what I've already learned and to continue my learning journey. Well, welcome. Uh, and uh, this is a common story. I uh, have heard many people bring up Duolingo as their initial uh, attempt at learning Chinese. And... Um, Duolingo is, you know, it's definitely better than nothing, but it doesn't have as comprehensive of a system as Mandarin Blueprint does. I mean, it's to be expected, right? Duolingo does many different languages, jack of all trades, master of none. Mandarin Blueprint, we're focused on one language. So we're very focused on exactly what it is that you need to know. And hey, you know, we've been through it. So we know the areas where we tripped up. And luckily now you also have all the people who are ahead of you who've left their notes and comments about where they've tripped up. So you'll, you're in good shape now. And I, I would just recommend just make sure you keep that daily habit going and you'll be all set uh, for the future. So thanks to Canadian Defector for that community forum post. Rick Santos on Vocab Unlocked from Pete. This is the 
character for PT, although this is not really too much related uh, to the actual character. He says, by now as I reach the end of level 48, I thank Luke and Phil for the particular talent of the Mandarin Blueprint Method teaching only what is needed to move on. Steadily forward. Their task is not to overload us learners with a complete volume at once. I say this because only in these past two lessons that I learn very weird characters readily and with ease because the right moment has come. So to Luke and Phil, thank you for what you did not teach in the earlier lessons. Surely there were those who questioned, why did you not include this? Or why have you omitted that? And why are topics incomplete? And so on. We would have been overwhelmed, discouraged, frustrated, and pro and most probably discontinued. An example of that is pi, pi jiu de pi. This is the first time I succeeded to write it correctly using cracked as a hint word. This led to a serial that is not perfect, and although not perfect, it was not discarded totally. Rather, it was brewed to be drunk as beer. <laughs> so similarly, spleen, which is the character in this lesson, also cleans damaged cells, giving the body a renewed force. So thank you again for not teaching everything at once and allowing Mandarin to grow in us. Well, I'm glad that you uh, understand that perspective there, Rick. I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I was just talking about earlier in building the advanced course is trying to strike that balance, right? On the one hand, you want people like there's this definitely this instinct to be like, here's all of the words you could learn with this new character. But on the other hand, you want to be like, okay, frequency really does matter. Frequency is super important. And it's the kind of thing where if, you know, you're learning something that is low frequency too early, you're not going to have opportunities to practice it. And you're not going to have the deluge of characters that you have every day from reading actual native Chinese content if you're not ready to read native Chinese content. And so if you're looking at a character that is the type or character or word that is the type of thing that even a native Chinese person doesn't see that often, then the only place you're going to see it with any frequency is in native Chinese content. So don't waste your time too early uh, with that stuff until you're ready. So uh, I'm so glad that Rick gets that and uh, hopefully uh, that we'll pay that forward to future people who are uh, earlier on in the course. Chris Lewis on Tian in Context. He says, I love Chinese and learning with you guys. I can't believe how simple the language is when you know just a few things. Oxygen is just these two characters, Qi and Yang. That's right. Yeah, oxygen, the character for oxygen is just Yang underneath the Qi component. And it's pronounced Yang. I realize it's not a requirement, but my Y actor is in the living room uh, looking up out the window of my friend's house at the millions of sheep sucking up all the air. And subsequently, there is no oxygen for her and she passes out. Even the word cardio is locked in too. Thank you, Mandarin Blueprint. Yeah, because cardio, cardio is simple. It's just yo yang, right? So it has oxygen. Yo <laughs> uh, yang, yun dong. Uh, so like, yeah, that's... um. Really simple language in a lot of ways. That's why, um, you know, that whole eight to ten years to learn Chinese that I read about on Quora is, uh, well, you know, that's based on old knowledge. That was before Mandarin Blueprint existed. All right. Matt Schubert on Bie in context. He said, I've heard that Bie is just a shortening of Buyao. Could the first sentence be even more compressed by saying Bie Jiang? Woman Bie Fenkai. I could imagine a sentence like this being said in a rushed, panicked way, so the less words, the better for the tone, assuming it's correct. Because, yeah, the sentence means, don't be that way, let's not separate. And uh, in this case, it would be fine. Um, so it's just, you want to be careful with this rule, because bie does, is a shortening of buyao, if buyao means don't, because that's what bie means, it means uh, don't. And so sometimes buyao means do not want, which is a, a different enough or or won't, will not. And so do not want is not the same as don't. So if it is um, do not want, if that is the actual meaning, then you could not replace it with BS. So, um, so for example, if the sentence was not uh, if it was instead if that were just a slight change to the sentence, then bie wouldn't work because in that case, he's setting the subject as wo, talking about his internal state, which is not wanting something, bu yao. 
我不要我们分开, I don't want us to separate, so I do not want us to separate, then bie would not be a replacement for buyao. But buyao can often mean uh, don't, in which case bie uh, is the replacement, and it works fine. So thanks for the question from Matt. Next, we have Eileen Roberson on Make a Movie for Gan. She said, if I'm not immediately clicking with the movie making method, am I doomed? Does that mean this course is not for me? No, that does not mean the course is not for you, at least not yet. Um, because Make a Movie for Gan is the last movie in level one, and nobody is going to totally get it by the end of level one. Um, really, most people report that they have a good sense of how long it took by maybe 30 to 50 characters into the course. So Gan is character five. We wouldn't expect you to get it right now. Um, so here are my suggestions. If you're feeling this way at uh, the Make a Movie for Gan at character number five. One is to read the articles that are available in the sidebar about the Henza movie method. We also have that in book form. So if you go on our website and look at the resources tab and see the uh, the ebook section, you can download the free Hence the movie method ebook, um, which has you know basically the same information just all in one PDF, and that will help you get the conceptual framework for it. But the best way is just to keep practicing it and really listen to the videos, take them nice and slow. It's perfectly fine to move slowly in the early sections of the course because in the early sections of the course you're uh, learning an entirely new skill of mnemonic visualization. And mnemonic visualization is is in some ways easy, but it doesn't mean it takes no practice to get to get used to it. You have to, you know, get used to finding the memory in your brain that's relevant to the in, the character you're trying to learn. So in in the case of character number five, it's very early. You should not give up yet. Now, um, there are some people who struggle with mnemonic visualization where they can't see anything in their mind's eye at all. This is a condition called aphantasia. And uh, so, like, it's literally like I say, imagine an apple with your eyes closed. And if you can't do it, you might have aphantasia. If that's the case, it's actually not true to say the course is not for you. It's just that you would have to use non-visual mnemonics. You'd have to use entirely sound mnemonics, feel mnemonics, um, uh, just your other senses, essentially, you know, even taste if you needed to. Uh, could you smell something? Um, and so that being the case, if you can't visualize something in your mind's eye, it would be comparatively more of a struggle. But um, on the other hand, your your alternative is still rote learning. And rote learning is like the most tedious thing you could possibly imagine. You always want to remember compared to what? Like it's like learning this new skill of visualization might seem like an extra step. But compared to what is necessary to learn 3,000 characters by rote, I mean... 3,000 times writing them over and over and repeating their opinion at least 100 times means that you're talking about uh, 300,000 times of writing something and it still won't even stick. And if you've forgotten it, there's no method by which you can then relearn it. You just have to start from scratch. Whereas with the Henza movie method, if you learn a character, you have a visualization in your mind. It's like, okay, Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the bedroom of my childhood home and there was a badger and, oh, what was the other thing that was there? Uh, I've forgotten. I've forgotten what was the other thing that was there. But even if you forgot something, you still have Arnold Schwarzenegger in the bedroom of your childhood home with a badger. So you just need to realize, oh, it was a spoon. That was the other thing. It was a badger and a spoon. And like, and then what were they doing? Well, you know, uh, everybody's going to have their own stories. The idea is that you have a foundation by which to remember something that's based on visual face recognition, uh, 3D spatial imaging. Where am I in space? How far am I away from the ceilings, the walls? You know, how are we able to figure all that stuff out? It's highly evolved visual cortex stuff. Uh, object constancy, core object recognition. That's why we use objects as props. And then, of course, movement. And what are the actors, sets, and props doing to interact? That's the meaning of the character. And so, yeah, there's several moving parts to this, and it takes a little bit to get used to. But remember, you're using your highly evolved skills of facial recognition, 3D spatial imaging, core object rec recognition, and sensitivity to movement, which are all things that even if you had an IQ of 50, you'd still be good at because 
they're like evolutionary gifts that we're all born with, right? So um, with that in mind, don't give up quite yet, Eileen. And uh, I think that the course will indeed prove to be for you. William Beeman on Vocab Unlocked from Tan. Could you guys say something about the construction verb le, verb, like tan la tan in this example? In reading, I see this often, and of course it is comprehensible, but could we have a clearer reading of it, of its use, and the meaning as opposed to verb le, or just the verb by itself? Thanks. So there, I will say that on one angle of this, there's not a set example because some verbs are very rarely used by themselves. They're usually used in compound words like tensor. Um, but because ten is actually, it's got the finger component, it has a physical element to it. It's possible for it to actually be a physical thing. Like, you know, da can be actually hitting somebody. Chua can be poking somebody. You know, there's, there's different, um, uh, you know, pie can be to pat somebody. There are these physical things you do with your hands. Um, you know, s is uh, um, ripping. And so in the case of tan, like tan is like delving into something. And if you say tani tan, that would mean like kind of delving into something for a moment. So like you're, there's like a bucket or something and you, you're delving your hand into it to the, the depths of it or into a pond and you're, you know, tani tan. That is to do it for a moment. So when you have like tan tan or tani tan or tani xia, those are all do that verb for a moment, right? Dai da. Dai da Right? So uh, hit his face for a moment, right? And so like there's different ways of doing it. Now, if it's already happened, but it already happened for a moment, then you put l instead of i. So tan la tan. Tan la tan. So it's done. You know, he's, he's already done the searching into the pond with his uh, finger to try to, you know, search deep below right and um now the re so in that case that's straightforward it's just that it was for a moment and it's a completed action so that's fine but in the case of like changing it around to saying just the verb plus le, uh it depends on the verb so like some verbs you can use by themselves in which case you could just say you know paula fine you know zola perfectly fine but some verbs it feels weird like it, it just doesn't sound right to say ten lo. i don't really ever hear that usually there's some other compound word related thing to it so like ten suo ten suo is like to deep dive into something that's in that case it's kind of a um more metaphorical meaning so you would say you could say ten suo lo. that would be fine um but you would not really just say ten lo. Um, you usually tend to add the doubling up of it in that case. Um, and so when that's the case, when that's not the case, it kind of depends on the verb. Uh, and so unfortunately, it's one of those things where like, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule as to which verbs you can use by themselves or which verbs you can use with just l. And also some word, some verbs don't work with the, you know, um, verb e verb or verb le verb structure so it's just the kind of thing you're gonna have to focus on when you see it uh happening in the wild and then go okay i just i understood that i guess i can do it that way right rick engeland on huo in context so here's the sentence is dian specifically meaning to ignite here that's right it has a lot of different meanings. I mean, it can mean a dot. It can mean uh, a piece of information, like just that piece, like like this piece of information. Um, and as a verb, it can mean to ignite, like a lighter. You know, uh, would be like a, you know, a is a, a cigarette lighter. And to turn it on, that action is dian. And I mean, theoretically, you could use a match and uh, uh, um, which would be uh, to, to light a match. And so, yeah, dian in that case means to ignite as a verb. Rick Anglin on chong in context. Uh, this can also be chong. So when it means, when it's pronounced chong, it means heavy. But in this case, it's chong, which means to repeat or, you know, start again or re like, you know, repeat in the sense of doing again. So the phrase is 
You have to do it again. You should do it again, okay? Would it also be correct to say, And that's fine to say, but the technically the meaning is slightly different. There's an implication that uh, has that doesn't. So, for example, suppose that I um, painted some numbers on the grass um, for a football pitch. And uh, then I, or let's just say some lines. And then I realized, or somebody realizes that I did it wrong and I put the line in the wrong spot. They might say, because I have to do it again because it was wrong. Like it's, the doing it again is a complete... Uh, renewal of the initial one, right? Whereas doesn't have any implication of how the previous one went. So like if I say it's like, oh, your homework was done totally wrong. You have to do it again from the beginning, right? Whereas, um, you know, could be that the previous time you did it was fine. It's just that you need to do it again, right? So uh, I don't know. Just something that doesn't imply that you did it wrong the first time. You uh, go to the gym and you do 10 pull-ups, right? And then your trainer says, okay, you have to do 10 more pull-ups in the outside. So, right? That's fine, but it doesn't indicate that the previous way was wrong and that's why you have to start over. It's got that sense of start over when you say chong, right? Whereas zai just means, again, there's no other implication. There's no, like... Uh, start over implication with it. Next, we have Matt Schubert on Kong Xi in context. He says, Kong Xi Zhong Yo Chou Wei. What's the Zhong doing here? Is it just specifying the air right here in the middle of us? Is the area that smells bad, not necessarily the air around us, across the room, etc.? So, Zhong in this case just means among. And Kong uh, Xi. Have, obviously, that's air. There's a lot of things in it. There's nitrogen. There's oxygen. There's many things, but among them is a chou wei, which is a, a you know sm- something smelly, a, a smelly flavor. Um, because wei means flavor of the mouth, or also flavor in your nose. So it's kind of cool uh, that in Chinese those are both the same wei dao. So kong qi zhong. So with among the air, within the air, there is a chou wei, a um, uh, smelly smell. Um, and so that's just something you'll hear a lot when it comes to something that's among other things. And it's not on the outside. It's not like, you know, clearly to one side, to the left, to the right, under, above. It's just among it, within it. You know, you'll hear Zhong in that case. So, uh, and then in the case of, and part of the reason I would say that it's Zhong and not Li, which Li means inside is that Li tends to have clearer boundaries. You know, the air is, like, the boundaries of the air are kind of uh, not as clear necessarily. Like, it's like, is the air, where is the, <laughs> the air have a um, smelly smell? Is it just in this room? It's like, whereas, like, Li is like, oh, it, something's inside the bag. And, like, the bag has very clear boundaries, you know. And so it's like, Zai Bao Li. But, you know, among in that area. So hopefully that clears up that question. Next, we have Christopher Weeks on Vocab Unlocked from Yi. He says, does Yishang and Yixia work with regards to height limits for roller coasters? For example, you must be above or below this height or weight to ride the attraction. Sure, you could say... That's a roller coaster. Uh, so to, it's kind of funny. It's like to go uh, to traverse the mountain uh, um, car, which is kind of funny. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so one meter. 60 basically like so 160 centimeters so you say 160 centimeters is uh, and that would be uh, if you're and then therefore if you're uh, 150 centimeters sorry you're too short 
as an example. Next, we have William Beeman on Vocab Unlocked from Diao. I don't quite get Is it please turn the car around? Please make a U-turn? I especially don't understand the Car head, car front, front of the car. Can you parse this? Yes. So like you could think of, if, think of it by analogy to a human. So like what's the brain of a car? The brain of the car is the engine. And with the exception of some sports cars that have the engine in the back, the engine is usually in the front of the car. And so if you say that's like saying the head of the car, what's in the head, it's the engine or the brain. Uh, and so that the, the head of the car is the front of the car. And so then, um, 掉头, in general, whether you're in a car or not, means to turn around. So if you just switch it around and say, uh, that means a U-turn. So that means make a U-turn. And so hopefully that clears that up. But yeah, think of it by analogy to a human. Uh, so where's the head of the car? The part that has the engine in it, which is the front. So the chuto is the front of the car. And again, you would not call like a Porsche's the back it's still the front regardless but the idea is it's what is most cars most cars this engine is in the front matt schubert on wang qian in context could the sentence also be taken metaphorically like saying let's move forward together as a team nation family etc sure yeah absolutely you know i mean there's lots of ways to head towards uh you know the the forward area um there's a more common one that people will say for the metaphorical thing, which is tian tian xiang sheng, tian tian xiang sheng, which means to every day head up. So xiang, x-i-a-n-g, is towards, it's one of the other ways to say towards, you know, there's xiang wang and chao, those three uh, tend to be used, and doi sometimes too, depending. So those four characters tend to be the characters that orbit the idea of towards. And so xiang is one of them, and sheng just means up. So like tian tian, every day, xiang sheng, head up and forward. And that's just a common one that people will say that it kind of means let's move forward and get better and all that. But ichi wang tian zhou, you can imagine, you'd probably specify it in some way, like... Um, uh, you know, like you'd say, as we, you know, are together as a team in a nation, we're going to move forward together. Like so there would be some surrounding context in like, in all likelihood. Otherwise it might seem like you're just saying, let's walk forward, which would be a little bit weird, but yeah. Jason Pan on Yochi Shi in context, he says, is there a particular difference between Tubia and Yochi Shi? And uh, the answer to this is that, and he's making the point that they essentially mean especially. Now, I can, I can say that they're pretty much the same when it's tubie shi versus yochi shi. From a meaning perspective, they're almost exactly the same at that point. Uh, tubie shi is a little bit more spoken. And it's just kind of like, um, you know, Chengdu ren dou han you hao. Tubie shi. Zhu zai du jiang yan de ren. So, um, the Chengdu people are very, the, the folks in Chengdu are very friendly especially is or like or extremely is that's what tubia means extremely so tubia sure is like extremely is which could be translated to especially and then i you know the people who live in dujang yan um but you could just replace that with yochi shi zhu zai dujang yan de ren that would be fine and so point being they're essentially the same as long as shi comes after tubia but tubia is an adverb so it could come before something else so like um, bang. Your, uh, your cooking is extremely awesome, right? In that case, you could not replace with yochi. You can only, uh, because it's not shi there. It's a, it's a different verb, which is bang. Well, in that case, it's a, a adjective, but you get the idea. It's an adverb and adverbs can come before verbs or adjectives. So like, um, depending on the context. So shi and yochi shi are pretty much exactly the same with the slight exception being that yochi shi is a little bit more formal, but you can totally say it in spoken Chinese. So that's the difference. Jason Pan on na jiu in context. He says, are zhi you cai and zhi yao jiu similar or is zhi you cai 
more strict in terms of meaning. It's mostly about the context in which you would use them. So um, you would imagine with zhiyao, some condition, jiukeila, like that's a common one. So like zhiyao, ta junshi lai, jiukeila. So as long as he arrives on time, we're good, right? And so the idea is, in this case, the context and the feeling is more like, this is likely going to work as long as something is met, right? But drill something, Thai, that has more of a feeling of like, uh, uh, mosquito, uh, that has more of a feeling of there's only one condition that could possibly make this work. Like the only way to learn Chinese is to study every day. You can't avoid this condition, right? It's got more of a sense of like, you might think there's other ways to do this, but there's only one way. So like the only way to convince him is to bribe him. I don't know. Like just like, there's only one route that could work. And you might think there's many things, but really it's just this one way. Whereas like, as long as has more of this feeling of like, we're expecting this thing to happen. So like, you know, as long as it does, then great. So that's kind of the difference. It's more to do with the context surrounding it than it is with the like, technical meaning between the difference because you could say you know one's a condition followed by like um you know the the thing that is meeting that condition but it's definitely a different context in which you would use them jason pan on e joe in context as a refresher kai mei kai verb may verb is that the past version of verb bu verb exactly so the double verb you know the the verb plus negation plus verb is just saying is or isn't that verb and if in the case of you know uh like if i say ni kai bu kai men ni kai bu kai men what i'm asking is to the other person like say someone's knocking on the door i'm saying are you going to open the door or not right whereas if i say ta kai mei kai men I'm asking, did he open the door or not, right? Like it's, it's, I'm assuming that it's already been done or not been done, but I'm talking about the past. So that's the difference, pretty straightforward. Next, let's move on to some vocab living links. These are the links that people make to vocab words to try to help remember them. So like something that they can connect to the idea so that they can uh, remember it moving into the future. So the first one is from Tina Clark on Vocab Unlocked from Ji. Ji ge. 十几,几百,几千. She says, for 几个, I thought of that game where you guess how many jelly beans are in a jar. Would that be better for 多少? And I responded to this by letting her know that uh, it, it, there's kind of two lenses by which you can look at it. One is that, no, it's not a good one because 几个 is between one, uh, 2 and 10. It's not singular, so it's usually between around 2 and 10. And shiji uh, is between 10 and 20. And arshiji is between uh, 20 and 30. And so, you know, these these different... Um, sorry, there's a mosquito. Uh, these different um, kind of ranges are somewhat specific. And, of course, jelly beans are not going to be... Uh, like, jelly beans are going to be way more than just 10. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a game. Like, it's like... How many of these eight jelly beans are there when you can see all of them, right? So Dosha would be better in that sense. But on the other on the other hand, vocab living links aren't that strict, right? Like it, it's just meant to help you remember the general concept. So if I say ji means how many, and then you think of the jelly bean game, which is like how many jelly beans are in here, and that worked, that got you to remember it, then fine. You know, it, it's, you'll figure out the difference between the two naturally moving forward. And so, um, but that said, after I responded with that, she said, thank you for the speedy reply. I'm going with cupcakes in a bakery for this one. How many do you want? And I'll save the jelly beans for later. Fair enough. And that's good because cupcakes are, you're not going to get like 70 cupcakes, right? You're going to get, you know, somewhere between, uh, you know, like five and a dozen or so. So you're, you're in the right range there. Next, Jeremy Marie on Vocab Unlocked from May. May go. I found this particularly difficult to objectify. For anyone who would like some food for thought, a phone book 
could be said to hold every phone number in a particular region or a government entity that might know everything about you. Sure. I like those. Um, you know, I, what, when I say every first thing I think of is every breath you take by the police and, and, uh, sting, uh, singing that song or, um, everybody by Backstreet Boys was so popular when I was uh, like 12 and uh, that you know that song is just so iconic in my mind so I could kind of imagine and I think they were zombies in that movie uh, music video so like just the Backstreet Boys as zombies you know singing everybody I you know having that connection to make would work just fine for me personally but you know everybody's gonna be a little bit different Christopher Neal on vocab unlocked from Xiao Xiao Shi Xiao Xin Googled Xiaoxin and up comes images of signs with caution wet floor. Xiaoxin Dihua, another quick win considering that Di, ground, is the last character we learned. That's nice. It's a good little coincidence there. Also, Hua is one of my favorite characters because the characters are water, which makes sense because you slip on things that are, uh, or sorry, the components are water, which is the first left side component. And of course, you slip on uh, wet surfaces. And then the other component is bone the right side component is bone and of course you slip on water you might break your bones right so hua meaning slippery is kind of a great character for that gave you arctica on vocab unlocked from shung shung yin she says i used to watch the singing competition the voice a lot so this one is clear that characteristic and easily recognizable red turning chair from the voice yeah i mean i've the voice is only sort of like entered into my mind from a cultural trope perspective like hearing people talk about it i don't think i've ever watched the show but that's the perfect type of thing you know if there's a show called the voice and the meaning of a character is voice then that's the perfect type of connection i love that tina clark on vocab unlocked from zong zong shi love song by the cure However far away, I will always love you. And so, yeah, I love songs uh, for living links to abstract concepts like always because, you know, how else are you supposed to remember this stuff? It's like always is such a abstract concept, but if you have like a connection to it, you know, like Snape in the final Harry Potter film saying always about uh, his love for Lily Potter even after she died, right? So, like, that's another example. You know, it's a, that's an emotional moment for a movie, a, a great song that you love that has always. Um, of course, you have the Whitney Houston song, I Will Always Love You. That would, always, that would work, too. Next, we have a few movie scene shares, and then we'll finish up the podcast from there. Jessica M. on Make a Movie for Yi. So, Yi means, like, it's kind of, um, it means different, like, as in, it's kind of the opposite of bun in this case. So I might say, uh, meaning like this area, this local area. And if I say ED, then that means somewhere else, some other area. Right. Um, and, uh, she's coming up with a great scene here. And the reason why I liked this one is because it's very contemporary. So she says after his divorce, with Melinda Gates, Bill goes on a date with the queen, who also was recently widowed. I guess if you have that much money, you can make anyone go on a date with you. They get in the backyard of North Woodland on the deck. Bill tells her, we were too different. We just drifted apart. She wanted to open the foundation. I'm a libertarian. I even fought to keep the vaccine patents from being given away. Here's my Gadsden flag to prove it. Don't tread on me. And he proudly runs around carrying the flag. And yeah, like, you know, this obviously, you know, th that's why people get divorced because they realize they're too different. And that's the meaning of this character. But the reason I just love this scene is that it's a reminder that you, you don't always have to glean from your very deep history of uh, something that happened in your childhood for your movie scene. Sometimes you can just pull contemporary news and so awesome scene there from jessica rick santos on make a movie for lee which means sort of reason or logic it's one of my favorite characters and it i like it because it's like the king is logic because it's got that king component in it and so it's kind of an interesting way to conceptualize the characters so he says li actress the living room of the null set she thought all along that the king rules with logic and reason, only to find out that it was a computer doing all the work for him when the king brought his computer with him. But the king was just using logic and reason. He practically owned the whole village, Lee. 
including the living room, third in the null set where the L.I. actress lived. Logical. Lee. <laughs> I like that. Uh, nice. Well, as usual, Rick is you know, not only having a good scene there, but also pulling in a few extra little hooks to his memory and uh, excellent scene there. Finally, we have real Will Rayleigh on Make a Movie for Zung, which means to increase or add. Uh, Zack Snyder at ENG's front door. Zack needs to increase the size of a wedding cake, which is the right side component he is delivering. He adds a load of soil to the wedding cake, which increases its size. Gross. I love it. So, like, <laughs> you know, using the two components well, adding to it, um, you could probably, I can even imagine sort of like this, this fakeness to the wedding cake as you fill it up with soil in the bottom and just ice over the soil uh, to, <laughs> you know, make it seem bigger than it is. Uh, I like it. Awesome. That'll do it for this week's Mandarin Blueprint podcast. Again, thank you to those of you who donated this week to our GoFundMe for the advanced course. It's been highly rewarding to work on it, and we're super happy that you guys are so supportive of the course. And uh, don't forget to head to mandarinblueprint.com, start a free trial, uh, no credit card required, 30 days. You can check out Pronunciation Mastery in Phase 1. And for that reason, uh, we think you'll really love the course. So... Signing off for this week. Luke will be back here next week, and we'll see you then.